Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome to the second wind. We are going to have a great show today. I can hardly wait for you to meet our guest. Um, He offers lots of interesting ideas. And besides that, I kind of like that he's a comedian. But as we go forward, I want you to... Sit back in your chair, get ready for a dynamic show, one that can change your life. You know, that's what you're in, usually, when you were listening to Second Wind. We're all, our lives are always changing, and sometimes we need that extra support, that extra push to help us move forward. And so I think you're going to be happy with today's show. But I want to share with you, as you know, I love to travel And I had the experience this weekend of going to a part of the country I don't ordinarily go to. It was in Dorset, Vermont, up in the New England area. And at this time of the year, the color in New England is breathtaking. There's reds, greens, purples. It's just the mountains are full of color. So it normally, so what my mind turned to while I was there was an artist, an American painter and illustrator, Norman Rockwell. He, Rockwell, he did, he was, lived between the years of 1894 and 1978. And the thing that Norman Rockwell is known for is how he depicted the American life. It was wholesome, and it was families, it was freedom, it was goodness. It was, you know, all about families. He illustrated the Saturday Evening Post magazine, which for almost five decades. And unfortunately, that magazine is not with us any longer. But he was all about freedoms, and he illustrated freedoms. He was very interested in the Boy Scouts, wholesome, raising Men with character, young men with character. So I I bring you this because I really wanted you to know how affected I was by experiencing that area of the United States. Rockwall was known for illustrating Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn books. So he was very he was a prolific artist. And he shared it. And he's known for being the American artist. I brought that to you. I wanted to talk to you about that because when I think about freedom, I think about where we go in our lives when we go through change. One of the freedoms that we sometimes feel like we're going to lose is our living standard, our 
uh, ability to do and go and be who we want to be, to capture our freedom of financial freedom. And so our guest today is a man that talks about money, (laughs) talks about that subject, yes, money. Bob Wheeler is a dynamic man that is a keynote speaker, but he also brings to us when he talks about money his 25 years of being a CPA. Now, when I normally think of CPAs, I think about black and white, but Bob is not black and white. As I mentioned, he does love the softer side, the funnier side of life through his comedian work. But he also has another side that we will like to explore, and that is his coaching side. He realized that people dealing with money also had deeper issues with that money story. Bob has written a book, The Money Nerve. Navigating the Emotions of Money. Wow. Is our money tied up in emotion? You better believe it. Oh, yeah, it is. So I welcome to the, to the air today, Bob Wheeler. So, Bob, please come in and join us and say a few words more about you that I don't know. <laughs> I know what my guests to know. Well, good morning, Joyce. It's, uh, it's great to be here. And let's see, I was thinking as you were talking, what are two things that I don't usually tell people about myself uh-huh. uh, or that people don't know? And so I would, you were talking about Norman Rockwell. Uh, I was mm-hmm. an Eagle Scout. I was a Boy Scout. Good. Yeah. And uh, loved it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I, that I think people find surprising is when I was younger, I grew up in Tennessee, and mm-hmm. I worked on a tobacco farm. So my uh, high school years were spent working on the farm and hey. going to school. Yeah. Couldn't be much more American than that, could you? So, <laughs> I know what it means to work hard, because uh-huh. you definitely work hard on a tobacco farm. <laughs> so I'm so curious, as because you do have so, so many different interests, Bob. Mm-hmm. How was it that you decided to become a CPA? Or you just love numbers? No, well, you know, here's the funny thing. I actually, it wasn't even on the radar. I was set to go to law school. I was taking my classes to keep my grade point up, Latin, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and all my other fun classes. And yeah. uh, basically a friend of mine said, hey, you should take accounting classes. I think you'd probably do pretty well in that. And so I took a class, made A's. It was really easy. And so then I really just kept taking accounting to kept maintain my grade point when I got to college. Yeah. And then realized, you know... <laughs> This is something that comes really easy to me. I enjoy it. I like working with the numbers. And so I, I dove into that. And at the same time, I was doing my comedy. And so in a way, I kept trying to get out of the accounting because I really wanted to just do the comedy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always pay the rent. So right. the accounting and the CPA have just been something that I, I really enjoy. And it's a way that I can help people because not everybody is able to navigate through it. Mm-hmm. And so... To me, it's about service, and it just sort of fell into my lap and became my calling. It wasn't something that I sought out initially. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how it just kind of bubbles to the surface? Yeah. Sometimes we're so surprised. We go, what? I don't, what? I don't, I didn't want to Where'd that come from? (laughs) 
Exactly. So sometimes just let yeah. it let it be. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, so and so when were you taking those courses in high school or college? college? So I was doing that in high school and college. I was doing yeah. all the accounting and uh you know, I just I and then basically when I got out, uh I, I didn't really want to keep going to school and I didn't know that many lawyers that I really liked. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, I don't want to be one of them. Uh, so yeah. it really just, yeah, I just, the accounting part was fun for me. I love the challenge. I was really good in audits, financial audits. Yeah. I just had a knack for going to the one place they didn't want me to open the drawer and discover some piece of information. I'd be like, hey, what's oh. this? Oh, Get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that's you know for me I'm not a numbers person I don't know okay. if you could tell but you know numbers just kind of make me nervous mm-hmm. and so yeah. I don't pay as much attention that's been one of the challenges in growing up and being an adult that I have to pay attention to numbers and um, right. so that's kind of um, uh, a, a struggle for me sometimes do you find well, that in a lot of your clients. I do, and I was just going to say, you know, there's so many people that have that struggle as well that don't feel that they're good with numbers, and 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 maybe they're not, or maybe they're not comfortable, but they use that as a sort of as an excuse to say, oh my God, I can't deal with stuff. I'm too afraid of it. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I'm capable. So I'd rather rather than embarrass myself, I think I'll just shy away from it and stay mm-hmm. uninformed or avoid any emotions that come up around that. So you're not alone. And I mean, really, that was the whole reason I wrote the book was to tell people you're not the only one that didn't get it. (laughs) None of us got it. Most of us didn't get it. And we're learning. Right. We're learning. Well, well, you know, my parents didn't really talk about the numbers very much. And and so um, it was always a challenge. You know, we never knew. I just knew I got my $5 for allowance every week. And there you go. You know, and and I spent totally all of it. You know, I I didn't right. have a dime left because that's what right. I knew to do. That's what you did. You spent everything you got. So um, anyway, but but how long was it? Were you in? Now we're going to have to go briefly to break. So I don't want to get in too big of a question. But um, how long was it that you were in a CPA before you realized that there was more needed? than just providing the numbers? It was, you know, probably about, I would say, 10 or 15 years. I was just doing my thing tax-wise, accounting-wise. And and really what happened was my own self-discovery in that I realized I was making good money, Mm -hmm. and people people that were making less than I was were much more financially successful. Mm. And... I was, and I realized I was on this sabotage, self-sabotage, and so I was wondering, why am I doing this? And yet here I am advising people on money and numbers, and I really had to look at why was I able to take care of other people but not take care of myself. Mm. And as I started to go through that, people started to open up, and I, you know, people felt safe with me and started sharing stories, which sort of became therapy sessions, and I started realizing wow, there's so much financial shame. There's so much fear around numbers. And I've been in it so much. I'm just so comfortable with it. Here's an opportunity for me to help people work through it. 
Uh, well, we're going to take a short break here, Bob, and we'll be back because I want to talk about that common fear that mm-hmm. so many people have, that not being comfortable because it was never talked about in families. We didn't grow up with that open conversation. Right. And it's just uh, we set up some really bad patterns when we were growing up, and they all can change as we go forward. So Bob is going to give us the, the scoop on how we can change our beliefs and start being more responsible. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. This is God in Country. The Collision of Faith and Politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, And yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are talking with Bob Wheeler. And the interesting thing about Bob is that after 25 years of being a CPA and during that time realizing that it always, it wasn't just about the black and white numbers being on the page that people were having so much, so many struggles with are not understanding, but it needed more than just, it needed some, some more support. And so then he he added to his toolbox a coaching in the core energetics coaching. So he is certified core energetics coaching. So Bob, tell us a little bit about 
why you decided you would broaden your expertise by going into coaching, what you saw that made that decision. Well, what was interesting for me was I would sit down with people, give them very good, solid tax planning, good, solid advice about financial choices, and then they would go out and do something completely different. Right. And Uh that happened more often than not. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so I'm I'm saying to myself, geez, they've been giving that, they're asking for good information. I'm giving them good information. They're doing exactly the opposite. What's going on? Uh And so as I started really diving in and talking to people, I realized they were so driven by their emotions around money that they weren't making logical decisions. They were making them based on past childhood stories or fears. And I realized that I wasn't going to be able to move forward with them in a practical way if I couldn't get them to understand emotionally where they were coming from. Right. So that's where I made the shift of really starting to work with people around their belief systems, around their stories, around why is staying in the dark serving you. Right. And, and, And really, really coming from that place of being able to help people because I can tell you I've gone through a lot of boxes of Kleenex in my office. There is so much fear and shame and self-judgment that we all carry. Right. And we don't, we don't have anybody to tell. And and so we just keep storing it. We keep storing it. We don't, nobody runs around saying, guess how much debt I have. Oh my gosh, I just overdrafted (laughs) my account. Hey, my house is in foreclosure, right? We, Well, I, you know, I'm from personal experience. um, I wasn't kidding when I said that I have my five dollars and I spent everything. And that's Mm -hmm. a pattern that sort of flew, expanded into my adult life. And so I get my check, I'd spend everything. And uh, I'm, I'm reading a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. Are you familiar (laughs) with that? (laughs) <laughs> I'm not, but I like the name. <laughs> oh, it's it's interesting. Um, and it talks about the putting aside money, paying yourself first. And this mm-hmm. was kind of a an idea that, you know, if I had thought about years ago, what an awesome way to um, start building your little nest egg. But we have, you know, and when we take on a partner, then we've got, we've only... Um, increase some of the stress when that partner right. does not believe the same way you do. And you never you never really marry the same person. You always no. marry your opposite. So, you know, I married somebody that was very, very, um, uh, what do I want to say, organized with his money. Or right. um, I don't know how to describe him. But anyway, that brings to the marriage an added stress. And he couldn't understand right. why I would do some of the things I would do. You know? Ab- yeah, absolutely. It's so amazing to me how many couples get together without having discussed any of their finances before getting into the marriage. Right. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised at how many couples will tell me, oh, no, we don't talk about it. But once we get married, it'll be different. We'll talk about it all the time. <laughs> Do they know what they're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and that never happens. It, it, people, if you're not talking about it now, you're not going to talk about it when you have a ring on your finger. Uh, uh, oh. And it's so important. You know, I had a client. He was so excited. He got married, and we did his tax return and 
he hadn't filed in a couple of years, and he had all these big refunds that were going to come back his way. We filed the returns, and he didn't get any refunds. And I called the IRS, and I said, what happened? And they said, oh, well, his wife has $120,000 worth of student loans that she never paid, and we're going to be taking the money to pay it back. Oh. She failed to mention that. <laughs> she, oops. Oh. To him? To him. And, oh, my gosh. So then out of that conversation, she mentioned, I might also have about $75,000 worth of credit card debt, too, that I forgot to mention. Uh, so he walked into this relationship with almost $200,000 worth of debt mm-hmm. and yeah. didn't know it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that happens more often than not. It does. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when you have those situations... How does one maneuver through that? It, I, are you brought in? I mean, you're certainly part of the conversation as they all sit around and go, and you did what? And you have what? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, sometimes people will, will bring me in, and then sometimes, like in his case, we talked, he and I, and he, he said, look, I, I married for better or worse, and I'm going to make it work. A lot of people might have had a lot of anger. And he may have had anger, but he seemed really okay with it. But sometimes, yeah, I will bring, you know, I'll bring in a couple, and we'll sit down and we'll talk about different belief systems. I, I had a client, he walked in, he was so excited to, for me to meet his new wife, and the first thing she said was, you need to teach him how to do his accounting. He does it all wrong. It's all wrong. Ooh. And I was like, okay. So you know, <laughs> then I was able to work with her and say, your husband's a creative type. He doesn't get a normal paycheck. You're a teacher. You like everything in order. It's not that his way is wrong. It's just different. Right. And are you going to be okay with learning to let him be different versus wrong because it's just not the way you do it? And, and so it's, she's getting more comfortable, but we really had to work through some beliefs that she had because right. her mom told her this is the way it should be, and so she knows this is the way it's supposed to be, and her husband's not doing the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> And it's creating right. conflict. And, and he walked out of that first meeting a little embarrassed because he was so excited for me to meet her. And then he felt so berated. Oh, he, yeah. Mm. You know, so. Mm-hmm. We, and, uh, yeah. We, it's kind of interesting as you're uh, talking about that. You know, when I married, we had a con- um, little session, multi three or four sessions with the minister and he would sit down and go over different areas of the relationship. And one of them was money. And I can always remember this question. He asked, um, my, uh, fiance, do you know how much a blouse costs for your wife to be? And he had no idea, you know, it was totally off the wall. So, I can see now (laughs) that, that couples would really be, be, uh, wise to talk to their accountants if they're not right. talking to their minister, you know. Right. Somebody Absolutely. that would interject and something so important that's going to affect their lives. It's, you know, it's so important. And whenever I hear somebody say, oh, I'm getting ready to get married or I'm getting ready to go into a business partnership, yeah. I always think, wait, wait, let's talk. Let's talk. <laughs> we need to let's, – let's put some things on the radar because yeah. – it's, it's, I, I, had a, I, I was on a radio show one time, and this woman called in and was literally trying. She was hoping I could give her the number that she should be paid in the prenup for each time her husband cheated on her. Oh, my goodness. 
And I said, well, has, has, has he cheated on you? She said, no, but, you know, he eventually will because that's what men do. Oh, my. And I said, well, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. There's some deeper issues here as versus what's the dollar amount for every time he cheats. Yeah, and, with you. <laughs> with you, my dear. Yeah. So, uh, And she acknowledged that, yes, okay, maybe it really wasn't about the dollar amount, but she had all these fears. And she and her, and her fiancé were discussing, at least it was on the table, yeah. But she had this belief system, which ultimately she would try to prove herself right if she mm-hmm. didn't keep working on it. Right. Isn't that amazing? We are such funny people, creatures. <laughs> man, oh, we man, are. do we come. Well, okay, tell us a little bit about, or just give us a little intro to why you decided to go into the core energy, energetic coaching I mean, well, you've given us enough, but yeah. there must have been well, some change that you needed. Well, what happened? So, what happened for me was as I was doing my own journey, because I was making a lot of money, I was self sabotaging, I never had money. Yeah. And I traced it back to a time where what I heard from my mom, and she may not have even said it, but what I mm. took from was she at one point said, you're going to be successful. You need to make lots of money so that me and your siblings can all have the life we deserve. <laughs> and I went, wow, I have four siblings and a mom. I don't know that I want to pay for all of them. <laughs> and the siblings are all girls, right? That's right. <laughs> and I thought, and, and, they, and they probably buy a lot of blouses. So, geez, yes, do. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for all these people. Yeah. So I made a, I made a, silent vow that I would make sure I got rid of all my money so that if anybody asked for money, I'd say, well, I don't have any, and I wouldn't be lying. Yeah. And as I started to do the work, I realized how much I stored physically in my body mm-hmm. around money. Yes. And, you know, people have heart attacks. People jump out of buildings. People have physical ailments. People die um, when it comes to money issues. And so I realized I really need to learn about the body. I really mm-hmm. need to learn about myself and not make this about, oh, I know better because I did it perfect. Uh-huh. Rather, I have information to share because I also did it wrong. I also didn't get the download. I also had self-sabotage. And mm-hmm. I just found that for me, Core Energetics was really a nice melding of the emotional, the body, and and then actually being able to use the practicality of the mind and see where right. I'm, where we're creating stories and roadblocks. Right. Well, I just, uh, I think it's fascinating that you went that additional step to, you know, in your own journey, but it's mm-hmm. such an asset for your clients. Um, I, it's just awesome. But we're going to, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the money nerve, which is part of the title for his book, and some other very important things that Bob will share with us. So see, I promised you a good show. We'll be back <laughs> shortly. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. 
Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author and intuitive Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Toginet Radio Network. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's paying it forward with tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Doginet.com. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Bob Wheeler is our guest today, and he found his genius, ha-ha, Bob, in the numbers as a CPA for 25 years. And through that, he discovered another fact, that people handle their money according to the way they were raised. And it creates such an impact on their lives that they can't go on without addressing it. So, Bob, you wrote a book called The Money Nerve, Navigating the Emotions of Money. I I can't wait to order that book. <laughs> I think it will be a wonderful tool to add to anybody's toolkit. Uh, tell us a little bit why and how you wrote that book. So I wrote the book when I finally had heard enough people telling me how they had been financially shamed and that they were the only one. I, I remember yes. specifically I was sitting with a friend of mine. She was crying because her family of doctors were beating her up because she was – decided to be a comic, and she was committed oh. to that. And she's a mm-hmm. successful comic, but mm-hmm. she's not a doctor. And I realized I, I just kept running into people that kept saying, I'm the only one that doesn't know how to do it. And so mm-hmm. I, I wrote the book to really get the conversation started about financial shame, about self-sabotage, about yeah. our fears, so that we could start finding allies, start finding support, and start letting go of these judgments that we keep silently to ourselves that we don't share with other people. And, mm-hmm. and that's really was the impetus for the book and being able to share my story and saying, hey, I didn't do it right. And here's a lot of other people that didn't think they did it right. And they were able to 
have the life they desired by making some changes, getting conscious, and then making intentional choices. Yeah. And so that really was, was the impetus. And I, to me, I, again, it, I, it, there was no point in having practical conversations with people if I couldn't get them to understand their emotional impact or their emotional beliefs and where they would shut down. Mm-hmm. If I couldn't get to understand that, then it, I couldn't get any further. Right. Well, you know, I can just remember in my own journey that part of it was I just didn't understand why I was wrong. Right. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. I mean, I knew it wasn't working, but I right. didn't understand what I was doing that was wrong because right. it had been part of my life for so long. I know that sounds crazy, but no, but the way it No, but that's what happens for a lot of people is, you know, parents don't discuss money. But right. they do know that when mom asks to repaint the living room, dad hits the roof, and there's big screaming, and then mom and dad aren't talking. So, ooh, don't talk about money because parents get angry or people fight. Or we, we create little stories that we attach or some kids, you know, oh, I lost the milk money. My, you know, my parents gave me the money to go to the store to buy the bread and the milk, and I lost the money right. on the way. So then they shamed me because I was irresponsible. So now I don't want to touch money because I don't know how to handle it. We, we take these little stories when we're little, and then we amplify them. And then we right. become adults, and then we stay attached to them even though they don't serve us anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've worked with some divorce clients, and mm-hmm. – uh, you know, they they have such a rebuild uh, in many of their lives that um, they struggle with, one, not knowing how to handle the money they get, um, and just other issues. It's just, I want, I'm going to buy all, all of them these books, this book. I well, mean, because there's such great shame in so much that we do around money when we, is, when we make a mistake. They do. And, you know, here's the thing, I think for, and not all women, and we talked a little bit about this uh, previously um, offline, but a lot of women have been taught, you know, go to have, to be them, their full selves, that they need to go find a rich man or go find a good man yes. instead of finding it within themselves. And so then when yeah. the divorce does, you know, when the marriage doesn't work out, now all of a sudden there's this double shame of they didn't pick the right one or mm-hmm. I'm not enough. And mm-hmm. There's a lot of self-judgment and a lot of, of self-abuse that mm-hmm. we do emotionally to ourselves. Um, yeah. So, so what do you call money nerve? What are you specifically talking when you say that in your, as it's the first two words of your book? Right. So for me, the money nerve is that place in our body where we feel the, uh, or the, ha. Ah! <laughs> that emotional feeling, right? When you win the lottery yeah. ticket, you feel it, right? Yeah. You, you oh, win that. Yeah. You find you find ten dollars on the ground. Ah, there's that that euphoria that you get so excited, right? Or somebody gives you a crispy new hundred dollar bill, you light well, up. I get excited it. about a penny. I get so excited <laughs> about finding a penny. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> you see That's a penny, it. pick it up. It means I you're do. open to. I do. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But. So those are real emotions that we feel in our body. Or um, conversely, if we overdraft the bank account and we happen to go online and we see a negative number, we, oh, I screwed up. Or, oh, I didn't pay the mortgage. 
or I can't pay the mortgage for the next three months, right? Then all of a sudden, all these emotions start coming in. We feel sick to our stomach. Uh, people have heart attacks. People get ulcers. Mm-hmm. People have jumped out of windows rather than face the shame around their financial dealings. Right. Yeah. That's the money nerve, and it's in a different place for everybody. But usually it's either in the chest or the heart or the the belly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, mm-hmm. it's different for people. But that there's a real tangible thing that you can feel when you experience good and bad things around money. Yeah. So how do they start changing this? Because they've got to change it. The stress level has to be <laughs> – off the top of the roof here. Well, so you know, they've so got to change it. You do. You have, but, and the first thing is you have to have the willingness to change, right? You have to be willing to be uncomfortable and willing to step into something unknown or willing to step into something different than your current story. Right. So you've got, to, you've got to set that intention of, I want to make a change, mm-hmm. and then I'm get, I've got to be willing to do it, and then I have to be in my integrity. I have to then actually start walking my talk, actually doing the things that I say I'm going to do. If I want to look at my spending, then I don't get to pretend that I didn't just spend money on some lottery tickets or I didn't just spend some money on a six-pack of beer or I didn't just spend some money on some new shoes, right? It's got to be what's the truth. I have to be in integrity. And And then I also, as I'm making this decision to make a change in my life, I have to ask myself, what about my current life or my old story has served me? Why, is, why have I held on to this? What's, what's my payoff in staying in this old life? And mm-hmm. I really encourage people to be curious. As to why do I do that? Gee, I love to go out and spend every dime on my paycheck so that I have nothing left for, mm-hmm. for an emergency fund. Why do I do that? As opposed to, wow, that's so stupid. I can't believe I do. No, why? Hmm, isn't that interesting? I love to do mm-hmm. that. That's a pattern. I really enjoy uh, spending all my money and then mm-hmm. not having it and getting to cry later. Like, what is that? And so really just to be curious in this journey and really set that intention of I want to do something different and I want to be conscious of the choices that I'm making so that at the end of the day, I'm not a victim to my life. I'm the creator of my life. Mm-hmm. So you talk about that pattern of you know, always spending everything you've got. But how does someone go back and and analyze that, Bob? So what I do, and and I in the book, there's a lot of great calls to action at the end of each chapter where we go through a lot of these. And I also do this. In oh, workshops that's great! Wonderful. And yeah, there it's it's well, it's real interesting. I always encourage. Uh, couples to actually read it together. And I actually have a lot yes. of couples that do read it together and then they do right. the exercises and really start to learn about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really tracing back what did mom, what did dad say or not say about money? Yes. What did my community say about money? What mm-hmm. Was I the rich kid in school? Was I the poor kid? Mm-hmm. How did that impact me? Did I wear the cool clothes? Did I, mm-hmm. did mom and dad, so, you know, did mom make my clothes? Um, where did I socially fit in, and, and did those those factors play into I will never be poor again, or who cares? I can never get out of this. Like, mm-hmm. and really start to trace back those patterns of of, of childhood imprint 
and right. and saying, do do they still serve me, or is it just a story? Yeah, right. Yeah, I yeah, I've had people tell me they could remember today how they were treated as a little girl when her new shoes really came from um, the. Uh, Red Cross or right. something like that. Now, how her friends impacted her by embarrassing her. Those are memories that can really stick with you forever. Well, it's you, it, absolutely. It's funny. I wouldn't eat fondue or French onion soup for the longest time because when we had French onion soup and fondue, we were at the end of the month <laughs> in my oh, house. how interesting. And so that meant if you're eating onion soup and French and, and fondue, you were poor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now I pay $15 for a bowl of onion soup. But at the time, it was such – I didn't care how good it was. It meant I was poor. Yes. Oh, that's so interesting. We are such interesting human beings, aren't we? Hmm. To yeah, stay with you. Well, yeah. and the, the thing is, some people will say, oh, I'm not impacted by – I don't have emotions around money. I, it's very black and white for me. Mm-hmm. Um my editor, my first editor, we were talking, and she said, you know, I, I'm glad you're writing this book, but I don't have any emotions around money, it's, and I, it doesn't make any decision. It doesn't do anything in my decision-making. So I said, well, let me ask you something real quick. When, when you go out to lunch with your dad, who pays? She goes, oh, my dad does. I'm his little mm-hmm. princess. I said, okay. Who pays for lunch when you go out with your mom? Oh, I do. I feel so bad for her because my dad left her. Okay. Uh-huh. And who pays for lunch when you go out with your sister? Oh, we pay. We go 50-50 because, you know what, she's my equal. I said, oh, okay. So you have three different decisions you make about who pays for lunch based on the relationship. She went, uh-huh. oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it plays into my life. It plays into my life. Wow. So it's even that subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Great point, Bob. Great point. And we all do that. We, we all, do, all that. do that. Yeah. Interesting. Never thought about that. Well, we're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the fears and and what a mental map is con- connected with your money. So I hope you're enjoying this, because I sure am. We'll be back with Bob Wheeler. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness, more self-love and less self-loathing, more joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to The Living Room, a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. 
This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. We are talking today with Bob Wheeler, a 25-year experienced CPA who is a certified core in genetic core in Energetic. Yeah. <laughs> I butcher that every time. Sorry about that. Um, okay. But anyway, he's a keynote speaker, and he also is a comedian, and I love that he has so many different things. And he's a man of many words, uh, wise words. I've thoroughly enjoyed the lessons I've learned today with him. So I hope you're enjoying it too. But, Bob, I really want to tell them how they can get your book. As we go forward, there's more things we can talk about, but I want them to get that information. Well, great. The book is available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble. It's also available at TheMoneyNerve.com, and that website also has tools and uh, exercises, and it also lists where I'm doing workshops. Uh, it also gives my contact information if somebody wanted to do coaching sessions, either live or Skype. And uh, so that's also a great website, themoneynerve.com. But the book is available to Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and other, other fine yeah. bookstores. I loved uh, just going around your website. There were so many good things there for um, me to capture. So I know other people, I encourage you to go to his website and take your freebies. They're like Absolutely. those pennies you bend over and get, okay? So anyway, they're valuable. They have worth. So I want you to tell us about um, the mental map that you talk about in the book. Yeah, absolutely. So a mental map is our, is our belief system. And our mental map might be, in terms of money, there's not enough. I don't know how to spend it. I'm going to make a mistake. Uh, people just like me because I have money. Uh, I must buy the newest most latest technology. So whatever that system is, we're using So that's driving us. So yeah. that if I believe that there's never enough money, I'm, I'm always trying to let somebody else pay for dinner. I'm always trying to figure out where can I save five bucks. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just hoarding. And I'm in this uh, mental attitude of scarcity. And so, it's imp- so, so once we can start to learn what our mental map is, what our point of view is in ter- terms of finance, we can then start dissecting it and saying, hmm, do I really believe that there's no money anywhere? And am I willing to challenge that there might be money available? There might be abundance. Mm -hmm. There might be 
something different. And so it's, yeah. you know, it's, you talked about traveling. I traveled extensively, and I, I, I still travel. But one of my first trips was to Africa. And the people there, their average income is $100 a year. <laughs> and they were the happiest people I ever met. Yeah. And I kept saying, why are you people happy? You don't have a new house with air conditioning, and you're not making a million dollars. How can you be happy? Really, really messed with my mind. Uh-huh. And I really learned something. Because their mental map said, we're so grateful to be alive. We're so excited to be here. We're so happy interacting with other people. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't care about material things because their, their souls were, were, were fed. And it was, it was such an amazing lesson for me to see that my mental map wasn't the same as theirs, and they seemed a lot happier than I was. Right. Yeah. Is that because you think, Bob, because they haven't been exposed to wealth or to having $500 instead of $100? Is that because they haven't been exposed? Or is that because they just look around and everybody's the same? Well, you know, I think with the Western influence and people going over there, they certainly start to say, wow, it is sort of nice to have these things. Right. And they still seem to be grounded in that's not all there is. It's, mm-hmm. it's part of it. Mm-hmm. And certainly some people get caught up in it and say, wow, this is, <laughs> this is all I want. And, you know, they'll, right. they'll try to get over to the U.S. and at any cost just so they can have that life of abundance. Mm-hmm. But I, have, I a- have found, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, but I've found that a lot of people in third world countries where I've traveled extensively is mm-hmm. that there's just a different mindset of, of just more appreciation. Yes, when good things come or money comes, it's nice, but mm-hmm. it's not, that doesn't define them. Right. Their yeah. relationships, their children, their experiences, that's where they're rich. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of them, consciously or unconsciously, have that mindset, that mental map. Right. Well, talking about mental maps, I want to uh, do, I, well, I see this with a lot of, of our children these days, that the family provides so much for their children, particularly in my area, that Mm -hmm. it's sometimes difficult to cut them off. You know what I mean? Uh, I find parents have a really difficult time knowing when, and you're talking about going out to dinner, you know, dad always picks up. And right. I am of, diff- of a different mind. So, you know, they've both been through college. They both have their own money. And I'm, I'm of the thing we either share or we – so do you find that pretty common in a lot of people's relationships with their children? I do, and it is so shocking to me. Um, I'm not as much anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I've worked with people. Their kids are tw- – 30 and 35 years old and they're still paying the cell phone they're still paying the rent mm-hmm. and 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 it's interesting because i'll invariably say you know you need to have a conversation with your child and let them know that now that they're 35 they're going to have to take <laughs> some responsibility oh no right no no, no. they might right. get mad at me you, yeah but your credit card debt is killing you you need to explain uh. to your child you're going to into debt no 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 i don't want them to know that it's a, it's a hardship because I they I want them to know that they can have whatever they want from me and it's pure love. <laughs> oh my gosh! Help! And, help! Yeah. 
it's amazing to me how many people won't have that conversation. And so a lot of times I'll work with people on their languaging of the conversation that needs to be had and practice it with them so that they can go back to their kids and say, hey, guys, at a certain point I've got to push you out of the nest a little bit because I'm not – I'm enabling you enabling you by, by doing these things instead yeah. of letting you start to figure it out on your own. Right. Yeah. Yes, I also had a friend this week that was, her daughter is 40, and she's still spending for the vacations where they go jointly. But now she wants this romantic boyfriend to go with her. And that's even more money because they don't go to cheap places. They go to real right. expensive places. And I'm like, well, she, you aren't paying for the interview. Right. And she said, yes. And I went, Why? I mean, it's like I don't understand it. Right. I don't but understand that, it. But so many parents are afraid that – it's so amazing that a lot of parents think that they're supposed to be friends with their kids. And uh-huh. the reality is parents are parents. Parents mm-hmm. need to set the boundaries. Parents need to help their children grow and be able to be independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so many people, though, are afraid they'll lose the friendship of their children. And I think that – yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So in the brief time that we have to talk to you, Bob, I don't want to let you go. I'm just enjoying this so much. <laughs> what is something you really want to share with the, with my listeners? Well, I would share, I would share two things. One I would share is that if you're sitting there and you think that you're the only one, that doesn't mm-hmm. know how to do it or that you're not capable or you don't deserve it, you do deserve it, and you're not alone, and there are other people out there struggling. And if you can just learn to look for support and, and take the initiative and willing to be a little uncomfortable, you can have that life that you deserve and the life that you want. And I, I really encourage people to know that they're, just, they're not alone and you don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would say is to just start seeing the abundance and the gratitude Live the life with gratitude and see the abundance that you already have. A lot of us are so busy trying to chase these things out there, right, that we don't see all the beauty we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes we get so narrow-sighted when we Mm -hmm. look at our homes, we walk around our homes, and we say, but I don't have this, I don't have that. And we look at what's missing. We don't look that we are one of the luckiest people nations that have electricity, that have energy, that have services, that have some of the basics of life. And we are so blessed. We are. And and we just don't get it, you know. And you you don't have to go to Africa to see that. You You can go in many of our cities. We have really Mm -hmm. uh, deprived areas. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, and that's the thing. We, we're so busy not seeing all the goodness. And, you know, I wake up every day and I just say, wow, am I just the lucky guy? <laughs> I've got a good life. Even with the yeah. bad days, I have a pretty amazing life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Um, one of the, my friends I was talking with is sometimes it's, he, he likes to go down and actually participate in giving back to the community, you know, serving right. food or doing something like that mm-hmm. because it grounds him. It keeps yeah. him in the now. 
to know that there are people that have less. And that is his lesson. That's what he takes away and keeps him grounded. It's interesting. Absolutely. I think that's great because that's why I like traveling. I do travel to third world countries because it keeps me humble and it keeps me really grateful. Yeah, right. Oh, well, we could have a long conversation about travel, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of my passions uh, is to always travel and see. And I like to go to third world countries as well, as long as I don't have to sleep on the ground. But anyway, you know, some of the comforts. But it's so interesting how much our old tapes create our present future. Right. Right. Well, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we were talking about traveling. The first time I traveled, a friend came to me and said, hey, do you want to go to Greece? Uh, I was going to run the marathon. You want to run it with me? And I looked at him and I said, well, I can't go. He said, why not? I said, because only rich people travel. (laughs) He said, what? Only rich people travel. I'm not rich yet, so I can't travel. Well, Bob, I've got the gotta go signal here. And I am so don't want to turn loose of you because I've enjoyed our time. (laughs) And I... I want everybody to go buy your book and start on their path to recovery, to getting comfortable with money and knowing that it is a treasure to have and we can manage it so that it grows and provides us freedom to be and do whoever we want. So you are just been dynamic. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And uh, we'd like for you to come do a comedy show in in Texas, I'm going to look on your schedule. Does that travel too? <laughs> it, uh, I, you know, I used to travel a lot more with the comedy, and I need to get back on the road. So, okay, uh, Texas go. would be a good starting point. Thank you, Bob Wheeler. Joyce so returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services and 